This evening, the title of my sermon is Give Glory to God or Be Cursed. Give Glory to God or Be Cursed. And we're going to be looking at Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through to 9. Up until now, in the book of Malachi, we've seen a declaration of God's love for the Jews. We saw that at the beginning of chapter 1, and that it was, uh, he loved the Jews and he, Israel was his choice over all the other nations to receive blessings, to be his peculiar people. Despite that, the history of the Jews is one of rebellion against God who redeemed them out of their afflictions in Egypt with an outstretched arm and a mighty hand. They forsook the Lord and they committed all manner of evils such as defiling themselves by having sexual relationships with the daughters of Moab and they worshipped the idols of those pagan people. They even sacrificed their children to false gods by burning them in fire. That was something that the Lord never commanded, neither did it enter his mind. And that always reminds me of the evil practice in our nation of sacrificing unborn children to the gods of convenience and irresponsibility, whether surgically in abortion clinics or nowadays medically at home and down the toilet. In Malachi's time, about 400 years before the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world, the Jews had returned to Jerusalem after 70 years of captivity in Babylon. Um, And they had 70 years of captivity in Babylon because of their rebellion against the Lord. Anyway, upon their return to the land, the temple was rebuilt. Sacrifices were once again being offered in the temple. However, the priests were offering blind, lame and sick sacrifices to the Lord. When the Lord brought this to the attention of the priests, uh, they did not acknowledge their guilt at all. Instead, they simply said, in what way have we defiled you? Last week, it was seen that the Lord rejected those offerings and he declared that his name would be great among the nations, thereby giving notice that the Gentiles would be called. This evening we will see that God, what God thought of the substandard offerings of the priests. For example, if you look in verse 3, you can see that the Lord is seen to spread the dung of those sacrifices upon the faces of the offerers. When you think about that, when you picture that, It's not a pretty picture, I know, but think about it. Those priests would have been ritually consecrated for their ministry on the outside. They would have looked the part with all their priestly robes. However, with dung spread upon their faces by the Lord, their apparent cleanliness and fitness to carry out the priestly ministry would have been exposed for what it really was, a complete sham Also, we shall see that priestly duties were supposed to have included the proclamation of the law, which was and still is of the utmost importance. 
However, the failure of the priests to proclaim and teach as thus saith the Lord caused the people whom they were supposed to have represented before God to stumble. Consequently, we shall see God's judgment on those errant priests. Let's have a look at verse 1 in chapter 2. And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. In verse 1, the Lord made it very clear that he was addressing the priests. They were the people whom God had appointed to represent the children of Israel before him. That was way back then. But what about now? Well, the new covenant church of which the Lord Jesus Christ is the mediator does not have a priestly class of people set apart from the rest of God's people as it was in the Old Testament. However, Jesus has set apart elders, he has set apart pastors who have a special responsibility to arrange for the carrying out of what the Lord has ordained in his church. That means that as a pastor, I have to give an account to the Lord as one who has been especially called by God to seek the welfare of men's souls. Therefore, I need to take heed to what is being said in today's Bible passage about those errant priests of old, so as not to follow suit. And beyond that, all born-again Christians, and not just pastors and elders, are in fact priests of the Most High God, and Jesus is their great heavenly high priest. That is taught very clearly in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 9, where the apostle said to Christians, not just pastors, not just elders, but Christians generally, you also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. So there's going to be a big challenge in this sermon for me, but uh, I'm not going to let you off the hook either. Or the word of God is not going to let you off the hook. What we shall consider this evening most certainly has applications, not just for me, but for all of you Christians, in as much as we are all priests of the Most High God, and our sacrifices to the Lord are of a spiritual kind. For example, Christians ought to offer the sacrifice of praise continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I won't embarrass anyone by asking you to put your hand up if you offer the sacrifice of sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name. The trouble is that we can all make a joyful noise unto the Lord in Sunday worship, whilst at the same time uh, the lives that we live are anything but a sacrifice to God. 
like the Jewish religious leaders about whom Jesus said 400 years after Malachi, Jesus said about the scribes and the Pharisees, these people draw near me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Jesus referred to the scribes and the Pharisees, or he described them as whitewashed tombs. Beautiful on the outside, but inside full of dead men's bones, full of wickedness. That would be an appropriate description of the priests about whom we've been reading in the time of Malachi. And of course, if the, if the hat fits, then you have to wear it. Let's face it, we can all be like those hypocrites of old. Even though as Christians, we are different in a sense, because we are new creatures in Christ. We are, after all, regenerated. We are indwelt by and sealed with God the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, we thank God that our acceptance before God is in his beloved Son, who, as our great heavenly high priest, presents our feeble prayers, our pathetic offerings to God, and he ever liveth to make intercession for us. But still, we should not want to give anything less than our very best to God. Let's have a look at verse 2. If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to heart. Thus far, much of what we have considered has been about the evil and contemptible offerings of the priests of old, to the Lord and already I pointed out God gave notice in in chapter 1 and verse 11 that he would call the Gentiles and his name would be great among the, uh, the, the heathen nations. Keep one eye on chapter 1 verse 11. Look at it there again. For from the rising of the sun even unto the going down of the same my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. Keep keep an eye. (coughs) Keep an eye on chapter 1 and verse 11, and also look at chapter 2 and verse 2. If he will not hear, and if he will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to heart. They did not give glory unto the name of the Lord. 
Interestingly, verse 2 in chapter 2 is the only verse in Malachi where you will find the word glory. That surprised me to see that. That is the only place in the whole book. If you will not hear and if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you. Only place where you'll find glory, but clearly that word glory is a very important word indeed. But then anyone who knows anything about the Westminster Shorter Catechism will know that glory is an important word. What is the first question that is asked in the Westminster Shorter Catechism? What is the chief end of man? That's the first question. And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That word glory speaks of the weightiness and the heaviness of the Lord in the sense that he is not a lightweight God and he is not to be trifled with. He is El Shaddai. He is Almighty God. After all, the Lord of hosts is the God who laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of his hands. The heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. This is the God who when he was on a ship with his disciples, there was a great storm that arose. He arose, Jesus arose and he rebuked the wind. And said unto the sea, peace be still. You try doing that. Peace be still. Do you think the the storms are going to listen to you? To me? They listen to the incarnate son of God. When Jesus said, peace be still, the wind ceased and there was a great calm. This is almighty God. This is the God who rose from the grave, triumphant over sin, Satan and death. The angels in heaven cover their faces in his presence and they call one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. All of us, And not just me as your pastor, do well to take heed to the words of the psalmist who said, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. When you look up into the sky on a clear night, the stars look tiny. I've said it so many times, it's one of the the most, well it's got to be one of the most beautiful sights ever in my life. Lying on the desert floor in Rajasthan, in India, looking up to the sky and seeing what seem to be millions of stars everywhere. Maybe you think you've seen a lot of stars in the sky here on a clear night. I tell you, you ain't seen nothing 
until you're in the middle of the desert. What a sight that was. Millions upon millions of tiny stars, or they appeared to be tiny. Of course, we know that they're not tiny, are they? And what happens when you look through a telescope, looking through the right end of the telescope? What happens is the telescope magnifies the stars. The the telescope doesn't actually make the stars any bigger, but we begin to see those stars at the, the size that they really are. That's the work of the telescope. The duty of the priests was to magnify the Lord before the congregation of Israel and to give glory unto his name. But they failed in that all-important duty. Instead, they led the people astray with their substandard and evil offerings, which caused the people to see the Lord through the wrong end of the telescope. Let's have a look at verses 4 through to 7. And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace. And I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. As well as offering sacrifices which have their fulfilment in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I don't. You, I trust you know this. All the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament w- were supposed to be a big signpost to Jesus, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What an opportunity that was for those priests to point people to the Christ who was to come into the world. Had they done their duty properly and when you think about it even if they didn't themselves understand the significance of those sacrifices had they done their duty as they were supposed to they would have nevertheless pointed people to the saviour who was to come into the world but instead they offered those lame blind Sick sacrifices, evil sacrifices. As well as offering those sacrifices, the priests also had a solemn duty to proclaim God's law to the people, thereby inducing repentance and turning them away from iniquity, as we read in verse 6. So, when you think about it, those priests, performing their duties as they were supposed to, they would have induced repentance, 
through the reading and teaching of the law, they would have been pointing people to Christ. Even those Old Testament priests, had they done their duties in the manner that gave glory to the Lord's name, would have discharged the duties of a faithful church minister, proclaiming law and gospel. The Levitical priests of old, had they done their job properly. But they didn't. As has already been seen in chapter 1, the priests failed with regards to their blind, lame, sick offerings. As for preaching the law, the answer is given in verses 8 and 9. Look at verses 8 and 9. But ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. There are no prizes there for guessing that the priests failed miserably to proclaim and teach God's law, as well as failing to offer sacrifices that were acceptable to God. And as a consequence, the Lord cursed their blessings, he spread dung upon their faces, and the people esteemed them not. As one of the commentators has said, the priests had engaged in such moral corruption that they had lost all respect in the eyes of the people and in the eyes of God. They had courted popularity by giving the people what they wanted and now they were reaping what they had sown. Is it any wonder that so many religious leaders and teachers of our day are similarly held in disrepute? Ironically, the esteem for the ministry could not be lower in a day when we have reached for the stars, in mega-movements for the church. Often our ministers are not true servants of God. They do not give a faithful proclamation of the whole counsel of God, and they do not walk in communion with God. Neither God nor his word will be mocked without dreadful consequences. When we do not seek first God's glory, and totally love and respond to his word, then our culture is in desperate trouble. Like minister, like people, could very well be the proverb raised over our nation as well as Malachi's. It is exceedingly important that those who teach remember that they are accountable, not only for themselves, but also for those whom they teach. Again, this is one of those sermons that especially speak to me and especially challenge me. The parallels between the Old Testament priests with their duty to faithfully proclaim the word of God and church ministers with their sacred duty to do likewise are very clear and undeniable. The Apostle Paul gave the following prediction of the churches. He said, The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will, according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, 
heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. For my part, woe is me if I preach not the gospel of Christ from this pulpit. As I'm reminded in our Baptist confession, pastors are required to give constant attention to the service of Christ in his churches. They are to be engaged in the ministry of the word and in prayer and to seek the welfare of men's souls as those that must give an account to the Lord. The Apostle Paul gave the following charge to a young pastor named Timothy. He said, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. May the Lord to whom I and others who occupy this pulpit must give an account, keep us from tickling ears and teaching smooth things instead of doing what Timothy was urged to do. Therefore, it is my duty to tell you Right now, as I preach law and gospel, that all have sinned. All have transgressed God's holy laws. All come short of his glory. Every one of us. And the wages of sin is death. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Therefore, if you have not already done so, show repentance towards God and show faith, or have faith rather, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And to God be the glory. Amen.